Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. We're back on the Movement podcast and I have the pleasure of being here with Mal Good. Uh, here in the Northern Territory, it's great to be up here, Mal, and great to have you on the podcast, mate. It's great to have you here. It's it's been a really fantastic time, and uh, I've always appreciated your hospitality. This trip and the last time I was able to uh, even come up even here. though you're sleeping on the floor in your lounge room, <laughs> even though I've been on the floor in your lounge room, mate. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it's a privilege, and and I'm and I'm learning a lot alongside you. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, as we begin the podcast today, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Who who are you, and and what do you get up to? Yeah, well. Um... I'm a migrant child. I was born uh, just west of London, and uh, our family migrated to Australia when I was only a year old. And uh, we came to Perth in Western Australia. And uh, you know, when I was uh, about eighteen, nineteen, um, I met Chris. She was uh, also a migrant child in Perth, but uh, she was going back to Scotland, and I chased her over there. And I had, a, had um, six, seven years over there, came back with three children and a container load of stuff, <laughs> um, been seeking to follow Jesus. And uh, in all of that, um, in seeking to say yes to Jesus, we've ended up in Darwin. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, well, uh, it's been great to get to know Chris as well. And I've learned a couple of things about Chris. One is she's a, an 80s music aficionado. Absolutely. She loves giving you a hard time. Yes. But she's just as passionate as you are. Uh, about being here in the Territory and about ministry together. Uh, and it's been so great to watch her and learn from her as well. But but yeah. tell me a bit more about your you and your shared heart together in ministry. Yeah, it's been um, absolutely fantastic to do ministry alongside Chris. And uh, we have a very multicultural uh, church at Casuarina Baptist Church. And um, I guess we're just excited to see what that looks like um, you know, the, I say from time to time, the only thing that holds us together is Jesus. Uh, we don't, there's a lot of other things that we just don't share, uh, that maybe in a normal uh, congregation, you, maybe there'd be a lot more uh, that you'd have in common. But, but we're just a really diverse bunch of people. Um, and uh, I think really, in many ways, Jesus is the uniting factor. And it's pretty special. Um, I think we've got a lot to learn from having people from other cultures speaking into our culture. And um, if we can create that web of connection, um, I think that's where the Lord can actually um, speak pretty clearly to us and maybe stuff hear stuff that we wouldn't normally hear. Mm. We, we, uh, I think a lot of churches describe themselves as multicultural, Yeah. but, but my experience at Casuarina um, is that Casuarina is, is, is probably one of our most multicultural, genuinely multicultural churches across uh, South Australia and the NT. Yeah. What do you What are you guys learning together as you as you do life together <laughs> as as different cultures? Um, I think I'm learning to apologise a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you just take it for granted that there's going to be misunderstandings. Um, I love that our people are so forgiving uh, and patient mm. with their pastors. Um, but it's it's also just an amazing space to see how people care for one another, mm. um, how people seek to reach out and engage, um, and you know we we sort of going along for the ride, um, trying to uh, navigate the course, 
but um, often I think it's two steps forward and two steps back, uh, but occasionally I think it's only one step back mm. and uh, we've made um, progress. So we seek to, to have um, different voices heard uh, most weeks in our services. So, um, you know, last week we had uh, a young Congolese man leading our service and um, I think, I'm just trying to think of the languages that we had uh, we had Walpri, we had um, yeah, f- f- uh, Filipino, um, Tagalog, we had uh, Swahili. Um, yeah, there's just multiple languages that we seek to hear. We had um, a couple of uh, uh, pastoral prayers uh, in Swahili and uh, Karen, a uh, language there as well. Um, so I think it's just... Uh, great to be reminded that that uh, the family of God is a very diverse yeah. family that stretches around the world. Yeah, I think more so than ever before, all these voices are um, in one place. So it's not as if you need to go anywhere; they're in our community, and I love that they're uh, part of the family that is um, where Chris and I have the privilege to serve. That's yeah, fantastic, mate, and and uh, I know that that you guys are investing in the cultural learning space and and investing in a in a young leader and an emerging leader. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, we, I mean, it's it's a learning space space for me. I mean, I'm yeah, so migrant child grew up in Perth. Um, we pastored a church in rural Western Australia that uh, that had um, a small. Uh, Korean population, a few other folk, and um, some Indigenous engagement there. And from there to to jump into this space, there's an awful lot of learning that that I'm having to do, cultural intelligence uh, stuff, CQ. But we, yeah, we've taken on an intern uh, in Priscilla, and uh, her focus is cultural inclusion in the worship space. Yeah, it's it's just been really good seeing her flourish in that to engage with um, the, the internship program that, uh, that you, Elliot, uh, head up and we're very grateful for uh, the input that comes from that and, and just to be able to walk alongside Priscilla. Chris does the uh, sort of spiritual reflection type stuff and I do the leadership coaching type stuff. We, yeah, we just cheer her on and, and she's, she's grown leaps and bounds in that space and the whole church has just um, benefited. From so we yeah. can we can see a difference in less than twelve months. That's fantastic, yeah. uh, and I will take the chance to say uh, thank you for being our first experiment, I guess, with having an intern in Darwin, yeah. uh, remote yeah. learning and distance learning, all the things, the challenges that we've had to come across. But you guys and Priscilla have done a really great job of um, working with us in that, and and I think it has been working. We're looking forward to having hopefully more interns in Darwin into into next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit of your story just before, you know, um, yeah. migrant child, Katanning, and then he over here to, to Darwin. What are, what are some of the um, experiences and, and your passions that have kind of mixed together to bring you to where you are now in, in your role, but also in, your, in, in what you're passionate about and get excited about? Yeah, I can remember during the, my studies at, at the Baptist Theo College in Perth, which is now part of the Morning Campus. So I remember getting to that point where, you know, it's not about maintaining a tradition. It's about intentionally following Jesus. And I, and I think that's, I mean, you know, tradition is good, but it's, it's following Jesus that's important. Tradition can be helpful, can, tradition can be a hindrance. But about following Jesus, 
and um, to to do that in community. Yeah. Uh, and when I say in community, I mean you know in the community of of the local church. So, firstly, passionate about uh, following Jesus and and what that looks like uh, for Chris and I, um, but what that looks like for the community of faith that we're part of. Trying to say yes to Jesus more than no, and uh, you know acknowledge that there's there's been some no's, but there's been some yeses if that's a word, um, to Jesus, and, and that's taken us to Darwin, and, and we're, we're, we're down here in Kalkarindji, uh, in Gurindji country, and uh, that's as a part of saying yes to Jesus, so yeah. who knows where you end up. Yeah, that's right, let's say yes to Jesus. Yeah. What an adventure. Yeah. Uh, what a, what a, uh, can you think of key experiences that have really, or key moments that have really shaped who you are? I think one of them, I could call it a moment that lasted 14 years, <laughs> And they sort of talk a bit about, you know, the dark night of the soul. Mm. And, and there was that sort of time from late 80s um, through to almost to 2000 where I just kind of felt dead. Wow. No one else, re- well, apart from Chris, no one else really know. You still roll up to church on a Sunday. Yeah. You still do everything that's kind of expected of you. Yeah. But I just felt that there was no, there'd no life. Mm. You know, that image of Ezekiel 37 and the Valley of Dry Bones is my story. Uh, I just consider that for a bit over a decade that I was dry bones. Wow. And uh, I remember clearly sitting with a friend of mine and just telling him that God may not be dead, but he's not active in his world anymore. Wow. And I verbalised that on Saturday night. Sunday morning, our pastor spoke from Ezekiel 37, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> yeah, well. excuse me, yeah. thank you very much, I'm very much alive and well, <laughs> yeah. and I'm very much talking uh, into your situation, you, yeah. so um, wake up and listen. And you know, it's funny, I, I talk, went up to my pastor, you know, to just yeah. thank him for everything and he just oh that was an old message that I just read and I was like oh seriously <laughs> it was like so powerful so that's a, a hugely significant uh, part of my life and, and it may not be helpful to other people because I remember our, our worship leader in, in the other church we're at and he, he um, came to me and said oh man I'm really having a, like a really dry time yeah just feel like you know and, and I said, oh, how long has this bank been going on for? And he said, oh, a couple of weeks now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I don't think you wanted to hear that I yeah, had 14 yeah, yeah. years of it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that, that with us, Mel, and, and uh, it's, always, it's always helpful uh, to hear of, of moments of difficulty. Um, as you think about your journey with Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, following in his footsteps, following alongside him, what, what do you think of when I, when I use that kind of language? Coming out of... So I can just continue on. Coming out of that, that dry period, the Lord, shortly after, the Lord sort of called us to, to study theology. Yeah. A call that I had received back in the UK in the mid-80s. So the second chance, firstly. But the other thing, as I sort of reflect about that, you know, I reckon if I didn't go study theology, I don't know whether I'd be in the church today. Yeah, wow. Because, I mean, we're in a great church, but I wasn't getting the answers. Mm maybe getting off-the-shelf answers, and they were good most of the time. But there were some situa- yeah, some answers I was like, mm, not convinced. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder if I hadn't gone and, and spent four years doing a degree, where I'd be. Yeah. So the pursuit of understanding, I guess. And, of course, 
you know, I probably have more questions now than I did then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the answer. Uh, well, I have some answers. Well, I was just going to go, now that the shoe's on the other foot, <laughs> and you're the pastor yeah. supposedly giving answers, yeah. you know, how, do you, how do you approach that? Well, that actually, I tell our congregation know. last week, if you're not getting answers from the pulpit, go to the college. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I, I think we're past the day of an off-the-shelf answer. Yeah. I think there are some, there's some tricky questions. There's, I think there's some spaces where, you know what, I don't know yeah. what the answer is. Mm. We live in a world where we're forced to make a decision, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Where do you stand on this, you know? Yeah. And I think there's, there's some stuff that, you know what, yeah. I, I just haven't landed. Yeah, there, there's challenging ethical dilemmas. Mm. And you have two uh, ethicists, you know, with PhDs mm. behind them, cannot agree on something, what hope do we have? Yeah. But, you know, we seek to, to live authentically following yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. It's good, good wisdom. Uh, that's, that's certainly one of the challenges we, we face in our, in our day, in this moment. Mm. What are the other challenges that you, that you feel or sense or see? I, I think part of the journey of the last five years or so is just to realise, as a white Western male, just how much privilege mm. we have. Yeah. Um, and we're down here in Gurindji country and, and uh, of the last, probably the last couple of years I've just been wrestling with the whole issue of colonisation. Yeah. I, I think uh, as followers of Jesus we've got to wrestle with that. Yeah. I think there has been, not I think, there has been injustices yeah. and as a generation what are we going to do? Mm. Obviously, we can't wind the clock back 200 years, yeah. but I believe that we need to be uh, more proactive than we have been. Yeah. We need to wrestle with, with that, not, not to send us on a guilt trip, yeah. but to say, what is the way forward? Yeah. So we have the Uluru Statement from the Heart, a referendum coming up. Uh, we've had the privilege of, of talking to uh, some of the Indigenous church leaders here and mm. that sense that they just haven't had a voice. Yeah. So I think it is important for us to wrestle with what legacy are we going to leave the next yeah. generation. Yeah. It's all very well for us to look back and, and see what previous generations did wrong. Yeah. But what will, what will the future generations look back on my generation yeah. and say, what were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't you do this or why did you do that? Yeah. So I love that we're part of the story of God. Mm. Or Naji in this uh, in this part of the world, the yeah. story of Naji. Yeah, I love that we're part of something bigger. Yeah, I love that it's his agenda. Yeah, and not mine because my agenda can change with the wind. Yeah, we we as you mentioned, we're sitting uh, right in the middle of Kalkaringi, uh, across the road from the Kalkaringi Baptist Church, uh, and it's been such a privilege to be down here to sit at the feet of of some of the elders and church leaders mm. uh, here and in Lajamanu. Gurindji people, Walpuri people, uh, people with ancient stories, deep love for Jesus and, and connection to country. And we're looking around and, and it puts some real faces, real names, real experiences to this story that you've mentioned around colonialisation and, and what's in front of us as a nation and as white Australians. Uh, what, what do you feel and see and hear as you sit here? I think we've got a lot to learn. Australian Baptists can be shaped by hearing more voices, more diverse voices. 
voices from those that have, have come to, to Australia from different parts of the world, mm. but also from our local Indigenous brothers and sisters. Yeah. Chris and I were privileged of doing a bit of a road trip and we went to Uluru on our way home. And we sat at Uluru and I was just thinking, you know, we kind of see it as a tourist attraction and they see it as a sacred site. Mm. And I, I kind of just got to thinking that just to call it a tourist attraction is missing something. Yeah. I think there are sacred spaces. Mm. And I can remember, you know, when I had big issues to uh, wrestle with that I'd go to a, a, a certain patch along the Swan River and that would be my... So yeah. almost my sacred space yeah. where there seemed like the distance between the physical world and the spiritual world, that, that barrier was thinner. Mm. A few years ago I'd sort of say you're off your tree, whereas now I'm going, I wonder if there's some stuff we need Something to learn. Yeah, yeah as, we, as we've heard stories uh, here even on this trip, but also maybe the, the collective voices you've, you've heard over many trips you've made on country, what other voices... What are the voices of Indigenous brothers and sisters saying that, that you would love to echo to whoever's listening to us? Uh, I think I said to one of the leaders, we've got work to do, mm. and he came back, you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. think we do, yeah. actually. You know, yeah. I, th I think it is uh, you know, on us. Yeah. I think the opportunity to actually just um, hear their voices. Mm. I mean, I've been privileged to be able to to do that firsthand mm. on their land. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's resources like Australian Together and others that you can tap into. Yeah. And um, it's got a car going down the street here. Yeah. Uh, I think to, to be open to hearing the voice of the other. Yeah. And particularly, you know, we've got to acknowledge the voice of the oppressed. Yeah. And acknowledging that we've been the oppressor. Yeah. And if we haven't been the oppressor, we've certainly benefited yeah. from those that have been the oppressor. Yeah. Yeah. So we hear it, uh, you may not know, but Kalkaring Years was previously called Wave Hill. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a significant site uh, for land rights and human rights. Um, the Wave Hill walk-off, a nine-year strike, eight or nine-year strike. And, you know, we should never, it should never have been like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They said they come. We came with the Bible, and we took their land. And they're very, very appreciative for the gospel, for the good news. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. But we took their land. Yeah, and, and I think even looking around uh, in the town today, we see some of the impact oh, and the, yeah. the symptoms of, of yeah. choices made yeah. by us in the past. Yeah, I think we see the symptoms, but we kind of forget about the original cause yeah. because it was sort of before our time. Yeah. Now, one of the things I've um, appreciated um, as, as we've sat and listened together and, and you've shared some of your story with me over conversations and in, and in the very full car this week as we've done some kilometres together, was this isn't just an idea for you. This is something that you and, and, and Chris too feel um, quite deeply. Can, can you explore that a little bit for me? Like, What, what, what are you feeling? We can believe the right stuff, mm. but do we live the right stuff? Mm. So when you follow Jesus, you've, you're, uh, it kind of turns things upside down. It, it forces you to examine your own culture mm. from King Jesus' culture. Yeah. What, what would King Jesus, how would he have me live? Mm. What is important to King Jesus? I think justice is on his heart. Yeah. Um, and so I think we, there's 
there's some correction that we need to mm. wrestle with. I don't know what that looks like. I'm only one person. Mm. Um, I'm not a great public speaker. I, I've grown up, um, you know, in remedial reading class, at, uh, you know, when I was doing English at high school. I mean, it's just amazing that I ended up with a degree in theology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've just got to really push into what we've been called to do for this season mm. and what, what, e- what, what each one of us is being called to do. And it may just be a little thing. It may just be a change in our thinking yeah. on one particular matter. And a change on our thinking has to lead to a change in how we live. Mm. And if that change doesn't happen, then something's wrong. And so I'm just wrestling with what is it like to follow king jesus and to wrestle with empire building and and colonization i i was a bit of a royalist i kind of quite liked the queen and i had no problem following the queen because king king jesus was king jesus yeah. so i had the king and i had a queen yeah yeah um but now there's two kings and that really caused me a huge dilemma <laughs> uh, so i'm a follower of king jesus, a follower of king uh, jesus sorry so... everyone else comes second <laughs> oh, well, let's not press it to um what that might mean for, your, <laughs> for how English you might feel, but I, I just I love your heart to follow King Jesus, and it, and it, um, I just want to encourage you and celebrate in you the skin that you're putting on your belief, your conviction, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that you and Chris have have said yes to Jesus and have stepped into, you know, way well away from homeland and and even where your family is to follow mm-hmm. Him, and and I think you know that's just an it's admirable from where I sit. I just want to celebrate you, Mel, as I sit with you and, and celebrate your heart uh, and say thank you for what you've shared with us on, on this trip. One, one of the, the wrestles that I've felt as we've journeyed together is, is we keep coming up against challenges yeah. in, in how to move forward. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, kind of, I want to try and be generative and, and, and kind of ask the question, what are, what are the opportunities? Uh, what are the opportunities, not just for, for you and I as we sit here, but for Baptist churches across SA and NT? into the future gosh first i want to thank you for (laughs) for your comments um it's not an easy space that we sit in Mm. you know i it's not something that you know it's a difficult space to sit in but it's incredibly precious space Mm. some of the challenges i i think i think we have a history Mm. i i think there are a lot of different voices out there some are quite militant and they can in their desire to push an agenda, it can, it can be counterproductive. But I think we still, in a sense, I think we still need those militant voices. So I, I kind of think that they are required just to get us to think. Mm. Firstly, what is it that Jesus is calling us to? Mm. And I think he's calling us to play our part walking alongside Jesus, seeing him at work and working alongside to, in some little way, see the world flourishing a little bit more than it did yesterday. Mm. A flourishing world where, like when I think of our Karen people, not being able to um, plant their crops and see them grow and to be able to harvest them, mm. not to be in that position, not to be able to, to, to grasp the fruits of their labour, mm. that's unjust. Mm. And so whatever it is, how, how can we work alongside what the Lord is doing bring a little more flourishing to those around us I think that requires some sacrificial goodness Mm. can you explore that 
what you mean by sacrificial goodness? Oh, gosh. Well, I think we're called to be good people. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's, that's the modelling and the shaping that goes yeah. on, that, that be a follower of Jesus yeah. is to, to allow him the opportunity to work in our life, to mould us and to shape us to who he wants us to be. Yeah. And, that's, and I think that is, um, you know, we, I guess we talk about righteousness, but yeah. I'm just a bit wary of some words that we only use on Sundays. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think there's a point where... We go, you know, goodness requires something of us. Yeah. And so are we prepared to make that sacrifice? Yeah. Some some pastors from across South Australia may know you, uh, may have met you and Chris because you've been down to a couple of our pastors' gatherings yeah. over, over the last few years. And um, uh, But one of the reasons we're talking is because uh, Baptist Churches of South Australia and Baptist Churches of Northern Territory or Baptist Union of Northern Territory are in the process of amalgamating. Yeah. Um, we've been journeying together for a number of years now, uh, but that's being formalised in a becoming family in, mm. in a way. Can you tell me a little, little bit about uh, what that might mean for churches across the Northern Territory, Baptist churches up here, mm. uh, your hopes for them, but, but also how uh, Baptist churches in South Australia might also benefit or appreciate kind of that connection and family? We are a small family of churches, yeah. about 12, and half of those are in, in remote Indigenous communities. Yeah. We, I don't think we're the most remote church here, but we'd be close to it. Yeah. So I think just being able to, to tap into the resources, and when I say the resources, they're people, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so to be able to tap into the gifts and abilities yeah. that BCSA have, um, we've already benefited from that through the memo of understanding that we've had for about a decade. But there'll be some, some more proactive stuff, I think, that'll happen. I think, you know, I'm looking forward to the possibility of, of um, maybe some um, online professional development and things like that that we would benefit from because obviously we can't sort of um, drop everything and pop down to the ministry <laughs> centre for an afternoon. But I think even in, in the possibilities of, of how do we deliver you know, training and what have you, I would, I would see that that would benefit not just the Northern Territory churches, but a lot of the churches in South Australia that are, are a little bit further away from Adelaide than um, is conveniently you yeah. know, possible for them to drop into. Um, we, we, just for some context, we're a bit over 800 kilometres south, southwest of Darwin yeah. at the moment, and, and it's another, I think I figured out, about 16, 17 hours drive through the Tanami just to get to Alice Springs from here. Australia is a big place, and we're getting connected to these communities that are much, yeah. much further than even our most regional churches in South Australia have been from from Adelaide. Yeah. And I think that's a, a challenge, but it's, it's also an opportunity for us to, to yeah. work and we've together. And we've just did a day trip down to Lajamano, which is another 120k south, and most of that was gravel. But it's just a beautiful country. It's amazing, know? amazing it's country. Like... It's a privilege to, to be here and be with the people, I think, yeah. um, you know, I, I love adventuring. People who know me know I love to get out on a gravel road. And but the the privilege really is to to sit at the feet of people who are really quite different from me, and who obviously have a very different experience from me. But to learn so much, yeah, from their perspective and and their perspective of life and the world, but also their rich experience of Jesus, yeah, in their culture and, and in their way. And, and that's just a blessing that I that I give thanks for. And and you have, I've heard you say it. Mm. Now it's been. Um, 
Uh, I've really appreciated, as I've said, journeying with you for for this time, but also speaking with you now has been just really a great benefit to me mm. and hopefully to, to everyone who's listening. We have pastors who listen. We have people from across our churches who, who listen into this podcast. Uh, I want to give you the final word and give you the chance to say anything that might still be bubbling away in your heart that you would you would love to just share with our pastors or to share with people across our movement. I think given that we're on the verge of a referendum on uh, an Indigenous voice, mm. I would encourage pastors and churches to really give that some some thought. Read uh, the Voice from the Heart statement that was made back in 2017, and, and we won't acknowledge five years of inaction on that, <laughs> but, but read that statement. It's an invitation for us to do life together. Mm. I, I think that we benefit so much if we hear voices that are different to our own. Otherwise, we can sit in an echo chamber and we just get our own stuff fed back to us. Mm. Let's let's be living on the edge a little bit, and, and let's let's listen to some other voices, particularly in voices of our indigenous brothers and sisters. Mm. We have them in our Baptist movement. Mm. Let's start by listening to their voices. Mm. Mal, thank you for your voice today. I uh, really appreciate having you on this on this episode. Thank you. And in, 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 let me just say, in listening to other voices, may we hear what the Lord is saying to us. Yeah, amen. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe, and tell a friend. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest. 